Hi and welcome everyone to the 61st episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Alonson and today's podcast will be about code reviewing and refactoring. And with me today I have Daryl Labar from PowerUp. Daryl is a two-time CRM MVP with over seven years of consulting experience with CRM development. He is very active in the open source community. He contributes to the XRM toolbox on a regular basis and is the creator of the XRM toolbox plugin early bound generator and the attribute manager and also helps maintaining the definitely typed TypeScript definitions. Daryl is also the creator of XRM unit test, an open source C-sharp XRM unit test framework library and a top stack overflow contributor for CRM related tags. In addition, Daryl works with fellows MVP Julie Jack, David Jack and Colin Vermander to maintain and advance the XRM virtual user group as a presenter, host and Twitter curator. Welcome Daryl Labar. Thank you very much Marcus, I'm glad to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. It's a it's a cold January day, but it, it should probably be a be a uh, cold January day here in Indiana. So yeah, and to all the listeners, you can hear that I have a cold, and I apologize in advance. But uh, yeah, that's that's just life happening. I hope you can live with it. CRM is all about managing a customer relationship. So what is a good customer relationship to you? To me, a good customer relationship is all about anticipating the needs of the customer and being able to not only satisfy their needs but be able to to achieve more than what they are anticipating uh, i had kind of a, a funny experience with my father-in-law who was at a restaurant one day and the manager stopped by and asked if, if everything was satisfactory and he said that's that's the wrong question you need to be asking you know, if i exceeded your expectations and uh, about five minutes later there was a free uh, cup of ice cream that ended up on his table from a waitress and said, uh, here, this is compliments of the manager. So uh, so that's a that's a good customer experience with me. Who is your customer? For me personally, uh, I have different customers in different settings. Uh, I have my own internal customers within PowerOptics itself, uh, my, my own uh, developers that I'm responsible for. And then also I have other customers when dealing with my actual clients, and then I also have the tools that I'm creating and, and giving away and, and open sourcing. I have lots of people that are communicating to me about that as well. So I've got customers from, from all different sides, I guess you can say. So what is it that you do then? So I recently uh, transitioned from a previous employer to Power Objects and uh, spent about a month and a half trying to figure out what my new role would entail. But currently, I am a capabilities director for power objects, which basically means that not only am I a, doing some consulting work, I'm also helping to maintain and develop our uh, centers of excellence and being able to to teach and, and mentor other developers uh, specifically. Um, I'm helping with the developer center of excellence. And so I spend uh, some time doing that, making sure that um, we have uh, using the best practices and, and we're growing together uh, as a company as a group of developers, and then as well as uh, just being a, a contractor on the other side of the fence. And I'm primarily focused just in, in coding. I'm doing the best I can to, to let the BAs and project managers deal with non-coding related stuff. And then I go in and do the C Sharp and do the JavaScript and TypeScript if I can squeeze it in there and uh, the backend plugins and 
and all that kind of fun stuff. So, um, so I've been living very much in a CRM centric development world for the last uh, seven years. Before then, I was more just a classic ASP.NET developer. So, it's kind of my my background of uh, what I do currently and and what I focus on in my day to day job. What is one of your recent memorable customer experiences? So I uh, was working with Camtasia today, actually, and I uh, was noticing it wasn't uh, Camtasia, if you don't know, is a video editing software. And uh, I w I'm using it to edit my new video series, which we'll probably talk about later. But I was in the middle of editing it and getting kind of annoyed with one of the little um, issues with the program. Every now and then, the space bar, which is always supposed to be the play button to stop and pause or to continue the video that you're watching every now and then gets confused with whatever is in focus and would skip to the previous video or, or to the next video instead. And I ended up getting into support and uh, on Camtasia's site and it wasn't, it was 8.30 and I think they're based, well, I guess maybe they're based on the East Coast. I was thinking they're based on the West Coast, which would mean it would be really early in the morning. But I went ahead and uh, joined their chat site and I had one one little mini paragraph I wrote of what my issue was and the person on the other end uh, spent a little time before he responded and he was actually he went at, actually and tested what I said was the issue and just responded back with yeah I can see that I, I'm experiencing the issue as well and I've I'll contact our one of our developers for that project and figure out if that's by design or if that's something that uh, is an actual bug so rather than uh, there's been lots of times, I guess I'll, I'll say that I've dealt with, with tech support and they have to go through their whole script of everything that they're supposed to, to ask before they finally get to the point where they can actually resolve your, your question, your problem. You know, have you reinstalled? Have you rebooted? Have you cleaned everything off of it? And all those just generic things. And it was very nice to have an experience where it was just a single, um, presented my problem and they went off and tested it themselves, figured out it was a problem and came back with the answer that they, without me having to do anything else. Uh, usually I have to argue my case and say what version it is and, and go through all these steps. I didn't have to do that. So that was a very pleasurable customer experience because um, even dealing with that difficult or that annoying problem, having to report an issue, uh, it was nice that it was not a painful experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And that is nice. So if we talk about code review, what what is a code review? A code review can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. It can take lots of different shapes. It can be performed lots of different ways. So there are, I guess the answer to that there is, what is a code review? Lots of different things are a code review. Generally, when I think of a code review, I think of a, uh, usually I'm, I'm dealing with Microsoft technologies. So I'm usually I'm dealing with TFS and submitting a code review or submitting code that's been checked in for review and having hopefully more than one, but at least I want one person go through, look at the changes, look at things that are new, point out issues that um, are with the actual code itself. So potential bugs as well as uh, just comments on improvements, what can be done to improve the project or improve the code base and pointing out issues that have already been defined elsewhere and could be reused rather than having to create new code. So so that's all that kind of revolves around a code review as far as what it is. Why would, uh, why would I bother with this then? If you ever read Uncle Bob's book, Clean Code, uh, if you read through the book, it actually says that code reviewing is the highest percentage of bugs found per time spent. So... 
you spend 30 minutes looking at your own code or 30 minutes testing your own code, or someone else spends 30 minutes reviewing your code, statistically, the 30 minutes spent someone reviewing your code is going to find more bugs than you spending 30 minutes testing your own code. So the first and foremost benefit of that is to catch bugs. There are lots of other benefits as well. So one example would be it's a great tool for new developers to the project or maybe just junior developers in general to see what senior level people are doing, what people with more experience are doing, and be able to pick up on those coding habits and coding tricks that people develop over time. So that's another, it's a good way of of letting those that don't have as much knowledge either in coding or in the actual application itself kind of pick up on that knowledge gradually. Uh, sitting down in a, for a three-hour seminar on how to improve your coding generally doesn't translate very well versus spending 15 minutes every other day for four or five weeks. You can really start to implement a lot more changes and, and pick up a lot more as a as someone that's that's learning, which really is all of us at some extent. So that's another example of uh, something that would be a benefit of it. Another benefit that I find, which is also a very very helpful, is it shows everyone else on your project that is doing the review what you are doing and what problems you've already solved and potentially what problems have already been solved and you attempted to resolve them and you didn't have to. So if there's code reviews to be applied, then that needs to be uh, that, that can be brought up in the actual code review itself of, hey, person A over here already implemented this feature or this function or this um, whatever it happens to be, we should be reusing that rather than creating it again and having duplicate logic, basically. Uh, so that's another great example of, of, of making sure that the team knowledge is shared and that we aren't recreating something that's already been solved. And then finally, the last thing I think of, it would be to ensure that standards are being applied. So to make sure that security standards are being applied, to make sure that coding standards are being correctly applied. Now, you never want to get into a project and look at all the code and be like, this is totally wrong in so many levels. Probably the very first and easiest thing that I can think of that happened in a recent code review that I did for another company was they were, and also another, the same exact issue was someone that was on the CRMUG site was having a problem with one of their plugins and they posted their code. And that's the simple mistake of assuming that your plugin will be ran on a single thread within CRM. And that's not the case. Your single instance of a plugin will be created and zero to many times in multiple threads, your execute method will be called. And so what people tend to do as a first step is they, they say to themselves, well, I shouldn't be passing this context and this ironization service around everywhere. I should be putting it at a class level variable. And then they do that. And all of a sudden they've opened themselves up to a race condition because if another thread comes in while yours is still operating, all of a sudden your service can all of a sudden be a service of a different context. And that definitely would not be a very good situation. So that's uh, that's another example, just making sure those, those standards are being met, make sure they're not making any glaring bugs or just uh, making sure the security standards are being met as well. Yeah. Have you ever happened that you look at the code review and the quality is quite good but then you realize hey wait a minute is this actually what the task is supposed to do yes so that that would be another example of where 
someone that may have more knowledge about the system can read the actual task and know, oh, it should be doing A, B, and C. But when they look at the code, they see the code's only doing A and B, and they forgot about C. So that's uh, uh, that's happened before. And another example of, of how that's a, a good thing to be doing. Yeah, so they understand the task completely because otherwise it might be easy to yeah miss a thing or misunderstood a thing or two and if you especially if you knew then that's well they they said this but they probably mean some some nudge in the some right or left direction so if i go through this then when um, have you ever encountered any real horror stories here? i think anyone that has more than a year's worth of experience has encountered horror stories Usually after six months, it's your own code that you're looking at that you're <laughs> like, I can't believe I wrote that. Uh, yeah. and so that's usually about a six-month frame where you've, you've picked up so much more that you, you – what was I thinking there? Why did I do it that way? So, so you have kind of your own eternal inner horror stories that you see. But uh, yes, uh, there are plenty of examples, and I'll, I'll probably just run through three here because um, I think they're, <laughs> they're quite humorous and, and quite extreme. So uh, – I was working, uh, my second job out of college was working for a retail store, their corporate office, and was working on their, their e-commerce site and needed to be able to provide the functionality to the e-commerce site of determining what products were available at which stores. So that way you could type in your zip code and figure out, is this nearby? Uh, the We had a, another developer that initially tackled that problem, and the database the calls that he was making in order to perform that ended up taking, I think, two, two and a half days to go through and process all the data and come up with the results of, of which stores had which products. And we needed it to run at least every 10 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that yeah. was nowhere near where it needed to be. And I, I saw an error that occurred and I, I looked at the stack trace. The stack trace was about Oh, 30 or 50 levels deep, mostly of these XML searches that was happening. So he was loading up all this data into XML and then trying to parse it and trying to use XML functions to search, uh, which is was just extremely, extremely poor performance-wise. So I uh, ended up grabbing all the data and converting it or changing into .NET generic dictionaries and hash sets, wherever, whatever made sense. And then I could go through and, and look up those values very, very quickly. And so my first shot, I got it from two and a half days down to about 15 minutes worth of processing. And then I quickly added some multi-threading. And I think I got it down to about five minutes to go through and generate all the data we needed and being able to provide that to the actual uh, e-commerce website to say, yep, all right, so it's your zip code. This is the table you're going to use to go and, and figure out what products are at which stores. So I actually wrote that one up and submitted it to the WTF. So that one's actually on the WTF. The The names have been changed to present the, the innocent, but that one did make the, the WTF website. So if you haven't ever seen bad code, just head over there. There's plenty of examples. <laughs> uh, another fun one I ran into was a 14,000 lines worth of Oracle PLSQL statement uh, or a single function. And it wasn't just like a whole bunch of logic. It was around, I think it was like a thousand lines, like a thousand line function that had been copied and pasted like seven different times or maybe 10 different times with different tweaks here and there each time they copied and pasted it. And so it was, and I needed to take that 
PLSQL and convert it into basically just straight .NET. And I had to figure out what the logic was because no one knew what the logic was. So uh, having to go through and f- dive into all that was a week or more. I think it was weeks worth of work to go through and figure out that logic, parse it out, and 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 figure out what it was. So that was uh, that was a very <laughs> painful experience. And then one of the, the best examples I've yeah, and and by that point you by that point you sort of have acknowledged that we have no idea what this is doing. It's magic over there. Don't touch it. Yes. And that's dangerous and a liability. Yes, that comes to, if you can't read it and understand it, you can't maintain it. And that becomes a very, very dangerous thing to be in. And the the client or the customer or the business may balk at the need of a developer to say, hey, we have to rewrite this because it may take two weeks. And by the end of it, if everything worked great, nothing changes for the end user. If it didn't work great, then, which is also very likely, then there's going to be bugs or issues that will be caused by the rewrite. So that's always a very painful thing to go through and, and uh, try to convince somebody it needs to be done because each time you go to change, it takes a long time because you've got to relearn everything and then cross your fingers five different ways to make sure you didn't introduce a bug because you have no idea. Uh, if that same code logic is in five different spots. Yeah, and the business value of that change is quite low. It is in the initial change, but if it's something that's being maintained, it can be uh, you can uh, you can account for that cost fairly easily if you're having to change the code every single week or every single month. You can easily long term account for that cost, but yes, short term yeah, it's true. very very low. So you said you had three, and I interrupted you after two. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so the third one is my, my first place I worked out of college. They had taken a VP6 desktop app that they wrote. And this was, I think they, when, they, when they did this, it was in the late 90s. And they said, hey, the internet's great. Let's go ahead and convert this to a web page. So what they ended up doing <laughs> is they wrote the front end. The front end wrote to a SQL database. And then they had a process that copied all the data for that particular client or customer to an Access 95 database. And then their old WinForm VB6 app that they wrote would run on a VM somewhere and process through all their data, update the update the old uh, VB6, uh, the database, not the Access, the Access database. It would update the Access database and then resync everything back to the SQL database. So... And when you were on call, you got to log into these servers and click these message box boxes that would pop up whenever there was an error and at all times of night and and everything else. It was it was a ridiculous process that was filled with lots and lots of fun fun issues like strings that were being used to sort dates because they didn't trust dates. And so whenever the leap year came around, they just they just accepted that things wouldn't work on on leap years on the leap day for the leap year it was it was just uh <laughs> it was pretty yeah pretty that sounds like a lot of fun so if i look at this then when is there an option for me to go do a code review <clears throat> so the, ideally when you are doing code reviews you want to do more with less code in it and sooner rather than later and so the idea isn't that you've got a, a two-week project that you're working on and you spend two weeks coding and then submit a code review at the end of it, that's going to be very painful because A, there's a lot to review. And so the person that's reviewing it isn't going to be able to sit down for four hours and look at everything that you're doing. And 
you may spend a week working on something. And when someone points out the code review, they may point out, like you said, oh, this isn't actually what the task is suggesting, or this isn't actually going to solve the problem. And now you've got to throw away a week's worth of work because you you didn't get that code review sooner, sooner rather than later. So that's um, so you should do code reviews sooner rather than later, <laughs> and you should try to make it smaller stuff rather than uh, bigger stuff. So if you've got a big task, it's better to, to divide it into smaller tasks and then focus on those tasks one at a time and, and review those tasks individually. So generally, uh, about a day, maybe two is the max that I would suggest when you're working on a project with multiple people to, to go before you submit a code review of what you've done. So that means that you shouldn't wait with a task even then or you're just saying that okay keep it to if you have any questions go ask someone or what is i mean i'm trying to make a general suggestion even though it's impossible <laughs> yeah that isn't very fair isn't there um <laughs> so some things i well you're going to be involved in different places or you can different companies have different rules how they they process that and i've seen rules where we code review everything and that does great for capturing everything and forcing people to do code reviews. But at the same point in time, you run into issues where there are changes that don't require code reviews. Uh, you may think of, or that shouldn't really need a code review, I guess might be a better way of saying that. Um, if the change is literally to go and update the text of an error message to fix a spelling error, that doesn't require a code review. You, you, you fixed it. You should be able to catch whether or not the one task to go fix the error, you actually fixed it, and, and it's a, a small change, and it really, really doesn't require a code review, in my my humble opinion. So, um, generally, my my rule of thumb is, if you are doing anything new, or if you're doing anything that you haven't done before, <laughs> uh, it's always good to do a a code review in those cases. And then, if it's something that's been done before or it's fairly repetitive, it's it's really a choice based on the actual developer who's doing it, whether or not they should review the code. So if you have a brand new developer to the project, then they should be having a code review almost regardless because they're brand new and they don't know, they may not know what they are doing and they may not know what they don't know. But if it's someone that's the lead on the project and was doing it for three years and they're making a, a pretty normal change to something, uh, then I don't see the need for having them, and it's a smaller change, I don't see the need for having them having to do that uh, as much, as long as what they're doing isn't something that could be useful for someone else to look at and learn from. Do you suggest that it might be design things that are sort of, now then it's not code review? You kind of make a, a good point there, where if you're dealing with issues about not knowing how to tackle the problem, or if it's a very, very difficult problem, there will, there should be reviews ahead of time of, of figuring out how you're going to tackle the problem before you actually go tackle the, the problem. So uh, in that case, you, you're you needing to do other reviews before you even think about writing code. Perhaps that's, that's sort of a design decision instead, instead of a code review. Okay, I'm thinking of solving this problem like this, as you had before with the with the search of the products and the and, and the zip codes, if he were to talk about that and say, "Okay, I want to do it like this," and probably most people would say, "No, don't do that. 
you might go a different direction and suggest things so that you don't end up with that with that situation that you spent all that time and then find out oh no it's not working yep yep so when i mean it's hard to know what i don't know or even to uh, well it's the things you know and the things you don't know and the things you don't know that you don't know and both of the last ones are really difficult, especially the last one. Yeah, trying to, to tackle the task of figuring out what you don't know, uh, figuring that what you don't know that you don't know is is nearly impossible without spending time just looking what others have done, if that makes sense. Um, spending time looking at videos of what others have done, spending time looking at open source projects to see what others have done. All those types of things are very uh, good steps to help you figure out what you don't know that you don't know when you're dealing with those types of things. So that's even a, an instance where it really helps to bring in somebody just to come look at your code for an hour. Um, that could be some of the best money spent by the company is to have someone come in and review what your own developers are doing, but someone that has years of experience and can speak into those other developers that maybe don't, don't have those experiences. Could be, oh, I see you're doing this. You shouldn't have to worry about doing this. There's another open source library that does all that for you. And now all of a sudden, you know, their project timeline went from three weeks down to a week because they don't spend two weeks doing something when there's an off-the-shelf solution for it. So, um, so yeah, that definitely applies. Yeah, and and you're referring to external sources like other MVPs or yourself or, I mean, other you know, resources just to take a look at it and go through this design decisions then or the actual code yeah when you're looking at i mean there's other there's plenty of crm partners that do that as a service i know power objects does that as well they you can call in get assigned to their help help desk and, and say hey I, i'm having an issue with this can i have somebody look at this with me i've done a couple of those myself so it's always an option for for that type of work even in a, a very short time frame you can find those those uh, types of people available to do that type of work. So, uh, yeah. So if I look at an code review again, then how do I do it? So normally for the projects that I've been on, the developer, when they check in their code, will submit for a code review. And that's using uh, a TFS or VSTS. Um, it's a team server. And when that happens, they assign one or more people to look at their code for the code review. It, it's probably good to have three or four people that are your quote unquote code review buddies. And whenever you submit code to get reviewed, you're assigning those same people over and over again. Now there's no requirement that everyone needs to be reviewing that, but ideally if uh, you can get one person or maybe two people after a certain time frame. So if you submit for the code review and one person looks at it that day and you're waiting to go push that to prod or push it to test to be tested, uh, maybe you, you do it after a day if, they, if no one else has any time. Or uh, if ideally you have someone, at least you know, two people look at what you've done and signed off that, yeah, it looks all right in the code review. So, so that's kind of um, an example I've seen that worked out well. I don't generally like the, well, if they're a brand new developer, I like the idea that they can't check something in until it has passed the code review. If they are not a new developer, I prefer it the opposite direction, where they've they've earned the trust of the people that are on the team to be able to 
to check in the code and not do something that's going to be horrible for everyone else working on it. Um, when you're brand new, you're much more likely to do something that's going to A, affect everybody, or, or B, be a very, very bad thing that should never get checked in to begin with. So so I'm a fan of, of maybe having a graduation where at this level or at this point in time, these people don't have to require a code review before checking in. And that's a that's a feature within uh, Team Server. I believe you can actually go through and, and configure. So these people have rights to check in without, and these people have rights um, to check in only if they've actually completed the code review. Yeah, I think so too, that you have this checking policy that you can apply and that a code analysis can be required before you're allowed to finally push it to the uh, server. So someone has to say okay or not for that, yeah, the code. And and TFS is, of course, Team Foundation Server and BSTS is Visual Studio Team Services. That's the online version of that TFS. So do you have any ceremony that you you like in the beginning that you want to, the junior developer to explain it to you so they get their own words with it or do you just want it as a list in TFS? Okay, here are the bunch of checkings that you have to review now. Normally, there are two different types of code reviews that I run into. I could run into a code review where, for the most part, everything's okay. Nothing's horrible. And in that case, I, I usually spend some time making suggestions. Hey, did you know you could do it this way? Hey, did, did uh, have you looked at doing it this way? Or have you looked at that? Or why did you do it this way? And it isn't necessarily to attack the individual, although it may feel like that when you're on the other end. Ideally, it's to either have them know that yes there is another way to do it and i chose not to because of x y and z or to be able to learn to to really argue why they did something and i don't mean argue like it's a fight to argue but it's really for them to be able to learn to defend and to have a reasoning for why they do something as you have more and more experience you should be able to to spend more time or less time doing some figuring out which way to do it because you've already discovered that and you know why you do it that way and then you can argue the points of why do you do that way rather than um, the reasoning for why you do it that way, I guess, is the point. So, so the first case is the case where it's mostly right, and there's just some comments that either should be made or can be made. And I tend to make extra comments, lots of comments, in, in those code reviews using the the built-in tools. <laughs> the second case you run into is when you open it up and you realize there is a lot of stuff wrong, and it's going to take way too long to write up all of the comments that you'd like to make. And at that point in time then I usually do submit, do uh, actually get a meeting with the individual or with the individuals on the code review and the, the person that actually wrote the code and sit down and, and just walk through it with them one-on-one uh, -on -one or with someone else if they want to join to just go through everything that, that needs to be said because it doesn't make any sense for the code reviewer to spend four hours typing things up when they can get a 30-minute meeting together and better explain what's going on and better hear what's going on from the developer. So, so those are kind of the, the two paths that I take, and you don't necessarily know what path you're going to take until you spend a little bit of time looking at what's been checked in. Okay, so who is doing the code review? I mean, is it a appointed group or senior levels, or how do you prefer it? Yeah, you're, you have to kind of fight back and forth with those senior level people doing the review and letting them do stuff that's actually producing work so are producing code basically 
so I like having all ranges of people on the code reviews. As I mentioned before, when you have someone that's brand new doing the code review, they may not have something to say, uh, but they are looking at what another person is doing. And they're looking at specifically what another person is doing in the project they're working in, which can really give a lot of valuable learning and insight to someone that's brand new to either maybe that technology or that project or that that platform. So I, I recently did some TypeScript development for one of my CRM projects and another developer that was on the project hadn't done TypeScript before. And so we spent some time just going through and reviewing what I did and, and how it worked and, and what steps were required in order to do that because it was just a really effective way for the other person to learn that. And if they have a new task where they have to maintain that code, they've already got a very good understanding of how to do that. Or if they have a new task, when that type of solution should be applied to it, they at least know what to go back to. And so all that really helps to define that benefit from that code review when you have those multiple levels that are doing it. Yeah, and I find that really good as well because then they get to chip in even if it's not very much. So everyone helps out with the code review so it's not just one or a couple of people but everyone are doing all of the tasks even code reviews and that new person to the project or just a a new developer when they make a comment that's beneficial or when they get to point out the mistake of somebody else uh, that's a really big win for them just uh emotion wise i guess you can say Uh, i in my free time, I like to play volleyball, which is volleyball inside of a racquetball court. And I, I play at a local apartment complex, and, and it's a wide range of people that are playing. We just show up, play for fun, try to make the teams as even as possible each time we play. And whenever I'm, there's a couple of gentlemen that I play against that are all about a foot and a half shorter than I am. But every time I go up to, to spike the ball, they're always trying to block it because if they can block me, they get a really big rush of, of positive emotions. Of, yeah, I blocked the, the tall guy on the other side of the net. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think that applies to, to devs, getting them that, that win of, 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 hey, I suggested something and, and you know, someone else did it. It's like uh, I have submitted code or submitted questions on Stack Overflow before and, and had John Skeet answer or had uh, Eric uh, Eric Lippert answer the question. And, you know, I, I kind of ran around with a banner in the office saying, look at, look at, I had, I had, you know, John Skeet answer this. Right? You know, you just kind of get excited about it. So uh, I think allowing that to happen only is possible if you have them doing some of that as well. Yeah, John Skate is pretty good, and he's uh, gone to uh, Google now, I think. Yeah, he's, you know, we, we, we kind of have to argue whether he's dead to us or not, because now he's doing mostly Java stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is kind of a funny a funny thing that's happened. Yeah, and, and to those who do, doesn't know, he was one of the top C-sharp contributors on Stack Overflow and enjoyed that okay, what does the definition of the language actually say about this corner case here and there? And I think there was some uh, jokes about him while comparing languages or something and rescuing a princess or something. And then it was like when he came to C-sharp, he was like, yeah, ask John Skeet and he will rescue the princess for you. Yeah, I think there were some John Skeet jokes that were kind of related to Chuck Norris, I think. Um, so that's that's fun. And the other person I mentioned was was Eric Lippert, 
and he was the he was on the he was worked for Microsoft was on the compiler team for a long time, and uh, he ended up actually going to Facebook and uh, does like some crazy PHP language parsing parsing kind of work I guess so, but he uh, I think he's got around three hundred thousand uh, points as well on Stack Overflow so he's he's no no slouch slouch to that. So do you think that we've uh, missed anything here today, Daryl? I think we've we've really covered the the gamut of of all the that's involved with code reviewing and, and refactoring. Uh, actually, I, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about refactoring, but uh, that also tends to to drive come a lot of out of re, uh, code reviewing as well. And that's um, that's another um, point that probably could get made is that really helps to drive the refactoring when you know somebody else is going to be looking at what you're doing. So. So do you think that is important as well, or do you pick that up during the code reviews? Okay, this might re need refactoring because once we added this extra task that someone did, then the code as a complete ne might need a rewrite or refactoring then. Yeah, I, I see that a lot when I'm looking at code and they have a really good comment of, uh, you know, they've got a section of code, maybe it's 10 lines of code long and, you know, getting the user's security rules or something as a comment. And, and I usually respond back, hey, that's a great comment. It would be even a greater function name if they then took that section out and refactored out to a separate function. Uh, and, and now we're then having a comment in there, they have the actual function name in there and they can reuse that elsewhere if they want to. And it just is a lot more readable. They might have to look at what the code is actually doing and make sure they get that comment. So yeah, so that is another thing that comes a part of the code reviews is suggestions for things that you need to refactor or things you do need to refactor and suggestions for them, some things that you should refactor. Okay, so the the goal is aligned with the code review then to catch the data, more the quality of the code, the readability and all of that stuff that we discussed before then. Okay, so where do I go if I want to know more? So... I just started a brand new video series called Raise the Bar, kind of a, a play off my last name, Labar. And that's a really good segment for this actual um, blog or uh, podcast that we have here today. And in that series, I'm going through and doing sort of a refactoring code reviewing type things, taking other people's code and uh, looking at it, making comments on it, but mostly just refactoring how um, I would suggest changing it. And it doesn't mean that it's the right way of what I'm doing, but at least we'll open up people that don't know what they don't know to go, oh, I never thought of doing it that way. And, and oh, and whatever. Uh, this is, you know, that's a neat way of doing that. And ideally, I would love to get comments back of, hey, have you looked at doing it this way before? And I say, no, I don't. And so I get to, to learn from it as well. But uh, so that's a brand new series I just started. And the first uh, video was released Monday of this week. And uh, I'm planning on releasing the second episode next week. And then after that, I'm out of code that people have suggested that I review. So I'll have to go out and find some. Or hopefully someone will, will turn something up for me, something for me to review. But that is on my, my YouTube channel. And, you know, I don't even know if I know the YouTube channel off the top of my head. I just go to YouTube and and, and I'm already there. So maybe I should go figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's raise the bar, and uh, I'm just going to make sure that we get the uh, the uh, the address here, so people can find it without going to the show notes. So, 
Yes. So the the address to my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash user slash DNA, like, uh, you know, the actual cell DNA, DNA Labar. That's my that's my uh, YouTube channel address. And if that's hard to find, it'd probably be easier to find me on Twitter and then find the links I'm posting on that on Twitter and to link back to YouTube. And my handle on Twitter is just DD Labar. So uh, two D's and then my last name, Labar, L-A-B-A-R. So that's another great way to, to find me. And uh, if you have any code out there that you're looking to have reviewed or want to have reviewed, please send me a, a link or send me a, a message on on Twitter. And I'd love to, to take a chance to go look at that for you. Yeah, that's uh, great. And uh, this will actually probably go out in about two weeks so you will probably be out of uh, code by then Ah, i will be out of code by then well that's fine do you have any public speaking or any other uh, links or things that we can uh, look for so the next time that i am going to be speaking publicly will be at the serum focus conference right here in indianapolis indiana so if you are thinking about going to the conference and you want to either A, see me and talk to me about something or B, uh, sit in one of my sessions, uh, please come to the Serum Focus. Uh, and then after that, I will, we haven't, they haven't taken any requests or stuff, but I am planning to go to the Serum UG meeting, uh, the summit meeting uh, in the fall as well. So those are going to be, I think, my next two speaking engagements. If I don't, I probably will do an XRM virtual speaking engagement as well. So uh, just keep your tabs on the xrmvirtual.com webpage if you're looking to, to watch me on there, and as well as the XRM virtual Twitter uh, feed as well. So. so focus, that's in May 21st to 24th. Uh, so if you want to go there, that's uh, ugfocus.com. All right. Thank you, Daryl Labar, for your participation in Serum Rocks. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks to your listening. And don't forget that you can comment or subscribe to Serum Rocks. Just search for it in your favorite podcasting app or just go to serumrocks.com and you'll find it right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks.